Hey, welcome to Woman Birders Happy Hour. I'm your host and mixologist, Hannah Bushard. I'm a birder, a woman, and someone who enjoys a good drink. Join me as I talk to women from around the world, from all walks of life, that enjoy birds too, about their experiences, what it's like to be a woman birder, and advice they have for others. I'll also have a different cocktail to share with you that pairs nicely with this chat. So I was so excited to have Susie Buttress, the casual birder, join me for this very first podcast. She's someone that I've really looked up to since Eric and I started Hannah and Eric Go Birding uh, because she is involved with so many different things and knows so many great, wonderful people and has a very positive presence in the birding world. So I was super honored that she um, was wanted to be on the show and I en- really enjoyed talking to her. One of the birds that really stuck out when I was speaking with Susie is a bird called a Lammergeier, which is also known as a bearded vulture. And their range is in alpine and mountainous habitats in Europe and also throughout the Middle East and Asia. And that sounds like a pretty cool bird that I wanted to look into. So um, I created a cocktail based on some facts that I found on the internet. And also it's it's really... Um, a modification of an existent drink. So it's said that Lammergeiers, people think that they're a hostile species, and that's mostly because they eat bones and marrow and just really hard to break down stuff. And they break it down with their very acidic stomach acid, which has a pH of one. And they're able to digest that bone in just under 24 hours, which had me thinking like a lemon drink because they're very acidic as well. And they have these beautiful white feathers on their neck and that they often stain red um, from rubbing their, you know, their feathers on soils that are iron oxide rich, um, as well as, you know, what's left over of their meal. And so that had me thinking of blood oranges. And so the cocktail that I created for this, uh, for this episode, my conversation with Susie, is called a Lammergeier, Bearded Vulture, and it's based on a Middle Eastern style mint lemonade, also called Lemonana. So to make this, um, what you'll do is take a pitcher, fill it up with eight cold cups of water, a teaspoon and a half of orange blossom water, which was very difficult for me to find. I ended up just having to order it on Amazon. Um, You use three quarter cups of fresh lemon juice, which is approximately eight lemons and a quarter cup finely chopped fresh mint with three quarters cup granulated sugar. So it's basically like making lemonade, but it has a couple other ingredients in there like fresh mint and orange blossom water. You mix that all nicely into a pitcher, put out eight glasses in each glass, fill them up with ice, put a shot of vodka in each one, and then fill the rest with that um, limonana drink and garnish it with a blood orange slice and a piece of mint. So that is the limonana. Um, This is a very common drink in Middle Eastern countries where it's hot and dry and it's found in every restaurant and home. Uh, It's icy cold. It's not really that sweet, but it's great for cooling off. It's not typically alcoholic, but because of this um, and Susie's 
talking about Lamergare, I wanted to um, include it into our happy hour. So this one is alcoholic. And that touch of orange blossom water and plenty of fresh mint gives it a great boost of flavor and really um, brings home the the spirit of the Lamergayers. If you want to make one yourself, go ahead and pause the podcast and whip one up real quick and then join us for the chat that I have with Susie. So please enjoy. Well, um, thank you so much, Susie, for joining me for this very first episode of Women Birders Happy Hour. I'm so excited that you're my guest. Um, it's my pleasure to be here, and thank you so much for asking me. Yeah, so Susie, um, I know you from Facebook and from sharing about podcasting and birding as women and things like that, but can you tell us about yourself? So I'm an older woman. I'm British, as you might be able to tell from my accent. <laughs> And um, I'm what I describe as a casual birder. So I enjoy bird watching the birds that I see in my garden um, and also locally, but I'm very much, uh, I'll fit it in. I really love birding, but it's, it's something that I fit in around other things that I do. It will be a sort of primary thing that I do, but I'm not an expert birder and I'm not someone who in better times would race around the country to see rarities or things like that so I don't worry too much about my list it's nice to add birds to it and it's nice to see new birds but I also get an awful lot of pleasure just watching the birds that I already know and really kind of understanding their behaviors how they interact with others of their species or other species um, and just seeing them in the garden hearing them I just love having birds around that's really refreshing. You know, there's so many people that are listing and, you know, looking for this specific thing and driving so far, like that's half my Facebook friends, but it's really refreshing to hear, you know, that people just like to sit and watch and enjoy their birds. I really, um, I'm impressed by people that, that take on, uh, that, um, effort to go and see birds. And, and I know it's very rewarding for them. But I think what I've learned over the years is that it's okay for us all to have different ways of birding. And I think when I was younger, I would have been quite intimidated by people who bird in that way, because I would have felt like they were doing things the right way. They were seeing as many birds as they could. But actually, as I've got older, I've recognized that there's no one right way to watch birds or to enjoy seeing birds. It's what's right for you. Was there any like specific event in your life that helped you come to that realization? Getting older, I think. <laughs> <laughs> life responsibilities. Think, yeah, well, you kind of get to a point where you think, why am I stressing about this? It, whatever I think isn't going to change whatever they think. Um, sometimes you do meet very competitive people. And I am a competitive person myself in many ways. And it's not so much that I'm giving up. It's not that at all, but I get so much enjoyment from learning about, from seeing birds. It's it's just a different way to bird. And I think I just, do you know what? I think it's the show, actually. The show has really brought birding more into 
to focus for me. Hmm. It was always something that was there and it was something that guided our uh, vacations and was always something that I did. I would always describe myself as a bird watcher. But it's actually doing the show has has brought me into contact with so many more people around the world that, that bird in lots of different ways. And it's really consolidated for me that that's okay. We can all have different ways of doing it and it's what's right for us we've really noticed that we have a lot of um differences in how we bird now versus how we used to bird based on the podcast i think that was um a big growth for us too in how we bird sam i really admire the way that you uh that you bird the way that you um bring community together and the way that you are an activist in 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 your birding there's real energy there whereas i feel i'm quite a passive birder i will you know i i kind of enjoy sitting back seeing what birds come to me and you know i do put myself in a position sometimes of being in an area where there are new birds but i and i will go out on walks and look for them but i'm not active in that way and you know listening to things like your your trip to um, Europe and your trip down to the Rio Grande Bird Festival, that was just really eye opening. And I just you know I'm just really impressed with all the things that you've been doing. And obviously, little bits of that will rub off on me because I'll think, ah, Hannah and Eric did this. That's a that's something I could incorporate, or that's something I could try. So I'm learning from you. I will never be <laughs> I'll never be as um, as involved as, as you are but certainly um, there are aspects of the way you bird that are informing me now well I really appreciate that thank you and I you know I always really admire how you enjoy the birds that are around you I get really bored with you know like our robins and and looking at you know chickadees day after day yeah absolutely. And I, I really um admire the way that you know you enjoy your backyard and your garden and the whole breakfast bird watch that you guys have had going on because of of covid um i think that's really cool and it it makes people you know stop and think and look in their backyard and even if they're not birders and really appreciate what's there that's that's been one upside if there are any upsides of of the lockdown and the problems we're going through um, is that I think people are noticing their surroundings a lot more and noticing what they have of value in their own neighbourhoods. I mean, still, so many people are, are really lucky in living in places where they can get out a bit further or or they just happen to be lucky enough to be living near nature reserves or whatever. And I, I think, oh, I'm so jealous that they can see these birds because, you know, <laughs> I have my favourites. Um, but, um, but I do, yeah, I genuinely do value each bird that comes into my garden I'm not someone who um I might get fed up with them in terms of annoyed at them like I've got a magpie <laughs> at the moment that is um whether it's hormonal or whether it's you know feeling um, more aggressive than normal because it's got young somewhere but it is deliberately attacking uh, jackdaws it's deliberately chasing collared doves and I can't see a reason for it and um, I had to open the window and, and break up a fight the other day and it's just oh you know come on guys just make sure just 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 take you know just eat what you there's plenty of food stations around you don't need to fight <laughs> over things um, but but then again you know today I was sitting in the summer house with it's a very sunny day here today and um, a magpie came down to take some of the 
uh, dried mealworms that I had soaking outside for them. And um, the sun caught the glints of blue in its tail and wings. And it was just like so glorious. It's such a striking bird. So even though, you know, that each bird has got times when it's, you know, not the best bird in the garden, there's still aspects to them that I really, really enjoy seeing. Well, that's beautiful. Um, how did you get started birding in the first place? Um, I think it was just um, becoming aware of the birds in our garden. So we had these full length floor to ceiling patio windows in the house where I was growing up. And I would just lay on the floor with the birds just the other side of the glass or, you know, probably about 10 feet away. But it felt like they were just the other side mm -hmm. and just watch them, especially this time of year when the starling babies were around and they were just coming out and fledging and out into the garden um, and watching them sort of investigate and look around and, and be fed. It was all activity. And I think those kind of moments I, I definitely remember. And um, I've also got a very strong memory of sitting out the front of our house, which uh, we were the last house of a terrace and then there was a playing field next to us. And I would just sit there and have bread, because we didn't know any better at that time, uh, bread to feed the house sparrows. And I'd be willing them to come close to me and just come and take the bread from me because I just wanted to be like Snow White or, you know, I, want, I <laughs> wanted the birds to love me. And it, do you know what? That hasn't changed. If there's an opportunity to hand feed a bird, you know, obviously only within the rules of wherever I am. But if I can act as a mobile bird table, with appropriate food, no longer bread, but um, <laughs> with appropriate foods. I adore it so much. Um, coming to Nova Scotia or to um, Vancouver last year, um, not last year, the year before, gosh, the time goes by so quickly, um, you know, interacting with chickadees, which seem one of the most um, able to interact. Um, they seem to be very keen to, <laughs> to take free food. Um, and watching, there's, there's several people I follow online who uh, post pictures of, of hand feeding birds. And it's just, oh, what, a, what an honor to, you know, to just be a mobile bird table. They don't care about you. <laughs> it's not like they think, oh, there's Susie. I want to be her friend. It's just like, oh, is that a peanut? Thanks. Um, so I, I do understand <laughs> that I'm not a special person. <laughs> it's just the case that I've got peanuts and they want them or sunflower seeds and they want them. Um, but yeah, I started that when I was very young and, you know, occasionally when we were on holiday, we would be places where there'd be chaffinches or, or sparrows that would come and take food. And I think that that's it. Having food, having birds coming close to take food, obviously brought them close enough for you to see them because otherwise, you know, especially as a small kid, when they're up in the top canopy of a tree, it's very hard to take interest um, in those sorts of birds. Um, but I didn't ever realise that bird watching was a, a pastime that you could do. I, I, how can I explain it? I didn't know it was a hobby you could do. I knew mm -hmm. some people liked watching birds and I had, there was a whole range of like I spy books when I was young. I don't know if you. Have, oh yeah. 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 I remember that. And so I had a, I, I guess we had ones that were um, suitable for British objects. So, you know, mammals or, or birds. And I had an ice buy book of birds and that was quite fun. And then it wasn't until I was 15 that I got my first bird watching book. I had um, books about wildlife, like encyclopedia type books and mm -hmm. um, picture books that told you all about African wildlife and, and things like that. I had all that sort of thing and I lapped it up and I knew them inside out. 
But I, for some reason, I had never found out that there were identification books you could get for the birds in, in Britain. And I got my first one when I was 15 because my cousin had a book. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to have one of these. I've got, I've got <laughs> to have one. And that was a real eye-opener to me because I then learned about all the different types of birds that we have in the um, in United Kingdom. You know, it, I hadn't realised we had such a range. And I've still not seen, you know, most of them. Um, but, but knowing now, you know, having that and then knowing that if I went to a new area, this might be something I might see if it's the right time of year or the right habitat. And it made me think a lot more about habitats and, and migration. Uh, oh, okay. So it brought in the whole picture of yeah. like how everything works but together. It's just because I sat and looked through the pictures and then, you know, for the pictures that were attractive, I read a bit more about them. Um, and then, you know, when we went places, I would look out for them. But I don't know, you know, I, I talk to others about their origin stories and, and they have similar things, but then they went on to do amazing things with bird watching. And I'm like, why didn't I? Where was that spark? Why didn't, why didn't I know that I could have done that? Um, so there's probably many, many years of wonderful bird watching opportunities that have passed me by. But at the same time, I've got many, many memories of, of, bird, of birds that I've seen. Um, so I don't feel bereft. It's just at times I think why didn't I do that you know why, why didn't I know so I think that's one really amazing thing about the internet um, and about communication now is that we can find out that these are possibilities that you can learn you know you could be a volunteer as a youth group worker with um, or, you know or, or be a volunteer warden at a site or all that kind of stuff that I just didn't know about um, well, and that's something that I think that at least is part of my goal with this podcast is that, you know, women typically don't know a whole, as much as men. Um, I mean, just from, you know, talking with people about different opportunities. Uh, the big one that I think of is field guides. Like there's so many women that I've talked to that didn't even know like how to get into being a guide at a company. And so I really hope with this show that I can, you know, introduce people that have different backgrounds and have done, have all these experiences and, you know, just bring awareness to like, this is a possibility. You could do this. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, some of the episodes you've had where you've spoken to uh, women guides, I mean, to be, to be honest, it's only in recent years I've realized that you can hire people to show you located, you know, the, um, mm -hmm. the detail of locations. I, I didn't even realize that was a thing, whether you were a man or a woman, I didn't know <laughs> that that was a thing. Um, and, um, and yeah, absolutely to know that, um, you know, if you, especially as a woman traveler, so if you're traveling on your, as, on your own, um, having another woman that you could I don't want to, you know, go into all the whole gender thing about how people sure. operate and everything, but it is the case that in our society, um, it is a patriarchy. And so, you know, men are like the leaders, men are, you know, or are, you know, not now, but they are mm -hmm. traditionally seen as they are the ones that know the knowledge. They are the ones that will lead the way. And, um, and I think it's absolutely wonderful that it doesn't have to be that way. And listening to things like your show and hearing the people you're interacting with, that really does help to break down barriers because if you're not experiencing that in your everyday life, you wouldn't know that that was a thing. So yeah. um, it certainly was in my mind. We were, we were due to be doing a fairly large holiday later this year. 
and uh, for the first time I, I actually thought about taking a guide you know meeting up with a guide mm. um, and I certainly considered um, uh, having a, a woman guide to do that um, and in fact there was a couple that you mentioned in one of your episodes for places like I think Puerto Rico was it Costa Rica? Was it Costa Rica? Um, I interviewed a gal from Peru. And oh, then, yeah, in Costa was, Rica. Yeah, sorry, Costa Rica. Sorry, I, <laughs> I knew it was one of those places I want to go and all of those places <laughs> I want to go at some point if I ever am able to ever again. Um, but I took down their names. Um, so I've got the list down because I thought, well, if I... Oh, good. They are the people I'm going to contact because, well, A, they come highly recommended <laughs> from you. Um, but B, you know, hey, this is something that's possible to to get so yeah well good i'm glad that's helpful <laughs> hopefully lots of people would be thinking the same way yeah i i certainly hope so so um you are a hobbyist birder and also um do your podcast have do you ever work with birds professionally no i've never done that where i am at the moment you know being older um <laughs> <laughs> not sure how much of a career change I could do at this point I, I you know obviously like my comforts which is why I'm not out there in the wilds all the time and why I'm doing sure. backyard birding because so I can easily get into the loo and things like that because you know there's nothing worse than being out in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> needing those sorts of comforts um but um certainly I a lot more of my life is involved in learning about birds um thinking about how I can pass messages on to people that listen to my show whether that's in a hopefully entertaining way but also in an educational way and so that helps you to think about the birds that you're seeing differently as well um, mm -hmm. I've certainly read a lot more um, science about birds since I started the show and uh, I feel like I'm a lot more knowledgeable and then when I started I don't I don't put myself forward as an expert at all I'm an enthusiast but it's amazing how much information you pick up when you start to really get to grips with a topic. So mm -hmm. just, you know, and, and I do a quiz every week uh, just as an engagement thing for people. You know, I get listeners sending me photographs of birds they've seen. I've taken loads of photographs over time. And I started this quiz of just like, you know, what bird Wednesday. So on a Wednesday, I just post a picture. I, I post a picture with a bit of a bird in it. Um, I try to choose uh, a, a section of the photograph that does show the key features um, and I've been amazed at how much I've learned about the birds that I'm posting that I thought I knew already um, hmm. but just because I'm looking at things like well okay what what discern what really does make this bird different from another bird that looks a bit like it what what are those features that I want to include as clues but also now I'm including you know the range where where are they found and gosh you know just little things like that I'm I now, you know, that, that information is now in my head and that makes a difference for when I'm out birding myself because I'm becoming much more, I, much more um, aware of, of, you know, plumage differences or shapes. What is it that um, is different about a particular bird? Um, yeah, so although I don't think it's ever going to be a, a career for me, um, I do feel like I'm really benefiting from the podcast in terms of how much I'm learning about birds. Yeah, and I've really enjoyed that contest too. It has me sometimes flipping through the field guide, like, what is this? Where does that piece of that bird fit in? Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, I don't I don't sit down with my field guides as much as I perhaps could. Um, 
and sometimes it's a bit hard to just look at pictures and think you have to have a sort of directed way to look at them if you're going to learn from them so you can just look up okay that's a blue tit let me just read about it and see what it says but if you want to know the difference between a cold tit and a great tit you kind of have to be aware that there might be that's what I really like about apps they they say things like you know similar birds so you can mm -hmm. you know find that but then it's like okay well what what is it that makes that difference what you know is it something about um where they're found is it is it a plumage thing um but uh, i think just opening for me just opening a field guide i just get distracted by the pretty pictures or the pictures of birds that i would like to see one day and i don't really do a proper directed understanding of what i'm reading it's just like well that's a nice bird oh i'd like to see that one day oh they're found in uplands okay i'll file that away as something that you know if we ever go to upland areas i might see it the right time of year but it's not you know really understanding about it so just little things like the quiz or people send me questions now and it's like oh okay let me research that I'll see if I can find an answer and if I can't find an answer I'll pass you on to someone that can but again that's all challenging yourself to find out a bit more to find an answer well and I think you know you saying that you pass it on to somebody if you don't have the right answer that's a really um great piece of your show is that I feel like you do a great job of being that that mediator because you do have some connections you know with different um, scientists and like uh, expert birders and so you can be that that point in the middle that helps bridge the gap between you know the uh, beginner birder possibly or, or in an expert yeah absolutely and I thank you for sort of reflecting that back to me I'm, I'm glad that comes across one of the things that I I mean, I, I do, I, I'm a sort of strange uh, mix of feelings, but at times I can be very, very confident and at other times I can be quite unsure and, and intimidated and mm -hmm. probably we're all a bit like that. But Oh, I know I am. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I really want people to feel that they can ask questions and it doesn't matter where you are on your learning about birds journey you know whether you you've just got a robin and you recognize a robin this is a european robin um, but it's probably mm -hmm. the same for an american robin <laughs> you recognize it you know what it looks like you see it in your garden where do you go from there and um i i i have an element of my personality that is very much like oh oh i'll tell you i'll tell you what that bird is <laughs> and i've learned over time that people don't always appreciate being told <laughs> oh that's a such and such so now i'm very much uh, i can share what i think it is um you know we, we i was out on a walk recently and there were lots of birds around i could hear them and i i finally saw them and it, they were siskins a little tiny sort of finch i think i can't remember if you have siskins we're we have a different kind of system. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I knew what it was. And then someone stopped by and said, oh, what are you looking at? And I said, oh, there's some uh, birds up there. They're siskins. And he said, oh, I've not heard about that. So I started to describe what, what they were. But I tried to do it very much in a, you know, can you see how yellow those ones are? Well, they're the males. And, you know, it, just trying to not be patronizing, not be I know it all, but just like trying to get them to look for features so that they would be interested in in learning a bit more about it and then a more expert birder came along and he said oh did you see the siskins and I was like 
oh yes but I'm not going to say anything and then this other person oh yes this lady's just been telling me all about (laughs) (laughs) don't because he's clearly an expert bird (laughs) and yes I did spot them but you know at times you can feel quite intimidated but I really want people to feel that they can ask questions and that they can not be um, scared of saying oh yeah I, I know that's a robin but I don't know what that is can someone tell me and you know i do note one of the worst places i think is um going to these really big facebook groups there are so many people there who just want to tell people that they know everything (laughs) and it can be so disheartening and i'm so often i want to say to them you should come and join my group (laughs) because it doesn't matter if you haven't got the most perfect photograph as long as you've got enthusiasm about the birds you've seen and you want to tell someone about it that's okay um but i do have a closed facebook group which is just for listeners of the show so uh, i don't go out promoting it in that way i promote it on my show because obviously if if someone's listening to the show and they want to take part in the community then that's a good way to do it but uh i'm not going out to these big groups and saying oh you should come to my show my um my group because Mm -hmm. um some people just like to have fights online and um (laughs) i don't well, so um, so that's a that's a lot of great information. Sorry, for... I do go on. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, a podcaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, but so that that's a lot of great advice. Do you have any other advice for women that are looking to bird or have already been birding for a while? Like, what what should they know to be best prepared to be out in the field? Okay, so. Um... I guess going back to what I've just said, believe in your own ability to identify the birds. Uh, it's okay to ask. It's okay to ask other people, but don't feel, try, try not to feel intimidated by others. And if other people are telling you that the bird that you've seen isn't what you think it is, try to understand why. You know, it may be that there are very key features that you just haven't spotted. So don't, don't always accept that you might get it wrong sometimes, but we can always be learning. Um, and don't take it personally if there are people out there who try to put you down uh, because you didn't know that that third um, feather on that wing should have been that color or that length <laughs> or something. Um, so I really strongly believe that, you know, enjoy the birds the way you want to. We don't all have to be the same kind of birder. There's room for us all and opportunity for each of us to learn from the other style of birding. So um, sometimes, you know, you'll talk to people and, and, some people want it to be very cut and dried about if you're a birder you're like this and if you're not a birder or you know having distinctions about whether you're a birder or a bird watcher you know that there might be um differences in that i i'm i i'm happy for people to have those (laughs) conversations themselves i'm not going to be uh, involved in that um if you like birds you and you want to call yourself a birder you can be a birder um so uh, you were saying about any other advice for women? Yeah. Um, just enjoy what you're doing. Honestly, I, I think I can't think of any women specific advice. I think it's it's really a case of for people. If you want to do birding, if you want to t- get involved in bird watching, if you love birds, get involved. Oh, and the only so the other thing I just thought about the activism side of things. So it. I don't, I, I really am grateful for people who work really hard in conservation and in bringing um, issues to people's attention. Um, but again, 
that you have to have a passion to do that to share that message effectively and I don't think any of us should feel um, undermined if we can't all be that um, strongly vocal about those issues so mm -hmm. work where you can to bring issues like that to people's attention but within your own sphere so work on that as you can i think the whole thing is don't be intimidated by others do you do you and have the confidence that you can do it you do know what you're doing but sometimes we need additional help and don't be afraid to learn to always be learning i just think being open is really important I, I think all of that is just is great advice. I know I get intimidated a lot um, and not to bring, you know, gender into it and like, you know, just be like men versus women or anything. But um, I have had a lot of experiences where, you know, I've had men talk over me or people go to the male guide rather than me. And I don't know if it's maybe I'm a terrible birder and I just don't know, but um, it's really killed my confidence in birding in a big group a lot of times and it really takes Eric um to to boost me back up and say no you do know what you're doing you do know don't let them get to you yeah um, so I, I think that's really important to hear I guess that's that's one of the differences as well I've never really bird uh, been out birding in a group um I've I've done a couple of groups with um and my local RSPB group and they're all very you know knowledgeable uh mm -hmm. very good at, at sharing their knowledge in a non-judgmental way but totally when I've gone out in those groups I've been deferring to others because I feel like well they've got all the experience um I do remember meeting a very 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 expert birder one time um just just by chance I was out with someone else and, and just happened to come across this guy and he was very much like almost ignoring me because you know I, I mentioned I was you know casual birder podcast I'm, I'm very proud of my show um yeah. but you know just even saying it was a casual birder that was enough for him to think well right okay fine that's nice for you that's a nice little thing for you to do great um and he carried on his conversation with this other person and then i i um i started to contribute because i thought no i'm not just going to stand here and listen i absolutely i actually know something about that i've seen that bird <laughs> i've traveled a bit and i i do know about that bird. and so i started converse, uh, you know in, in, insinuating myself in the conversation and um and it was really interesting how his attitude to me changed over that period and that by the end we were chatting now i'm not going to say that we were fast friends by the end of it but <laughs> but definitely i could that was i think that was the first time i'd ever really noticed a shift between someone writing me off because probably because i was a woman but also because i was saying i was a casual birder and mm. and then you know i i do know some stuff I don't know a lot of stuff about birds you know I only really know about a very small number of birds and I've got birds that I've seen that I have personal experience of um but I know about those ones so you know within that sphere I do have knowledge so um yeah absolutely but um Hannah you <laughs> you know so much and it comes across in your conversation I know that a lot of your podcast is um is recorded off the cuff you know you don't you don't whereas i script my show and i'm, I'm not afraid mm -hmm. to say that mainly it's because while i haven't shut up for five seconds while i'm talking <laughs> now in conversation i i will rabbit on and on and on unless i'm reined in but when i'm on my own uh with a microphone i go blank i cannot think what to say at all and i have to script my show because i 
otherwise I wouldn't have a show. Um, but I try very much to script it in the way of how I speak and um, in, you know, with my knowledge. I'm, I, I'm not reading the news or anything. Um, but you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to travel. I've seen quite a range of birds in my time. And um, where was I with this? Oh, sorry, <laughs> I went off track. But it was you, yes, you. I've heard you <laughs> when you're doing your show. You know stuff, you know a lot of stuff. And well, um, I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. I, I, I learn from you. So, mind you, if you think that I don't know very much, that probably is cold comfort. <laughs> but no, honestly, <laughs> no, I, I, I really, like I said, I really admire your show and it, it makes me think um, in a different way than I normally think. Like, so I, um, most of my birding, like the formation of my birding was in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, which is very competitive uh, amongst locals down there. And, um, you know, people travel from around the world. And so I get stuck in the competitiveness of birding. And so I really do appreciate that listening to your show makes me think um, about those birds, because otherwise it's just like, oh, saw that bird, saw that bird, saw that bird, and not really appreciating it. And that's something that I totally... um, I, I get stuck in and I need to pull back from that. Isn't it funny because I, I listened to those shows of yours um, and I was aware that there were these things going on, but I'd never really looked into them because I knew that it wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. So to actually hear what it was like to be down there was just, I, I found it a little bit exhausting to listen to. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, can't you just stop for five seconds and look at that bird? <laughs> don't, don't, don't much off. But um, all of the people that you spoke to, I was just like, they were all so passionate about birds. And I was just like, my goodness, there are, there are so many people out there that really, really love birds and really want to work for birds and include birds in their lives. And that was really really fascinating to listen to and and to hear that we are again it feeds into my idea that you know we can all do this differently but we can all together you know raise awareness because if we're all talking about birds and if we're all talking about um, specific issues with birds even if we can't make big changes on our own the very fact that we're raising publicity or raising awareness of is a real positive thing and the more people that do that the more it becomes it's part of what people are thinking about um, and so when there's a choice about what to do, there's an awareness then that there's sort of a groundswell of opinion or need or desire for things to happen. Um, so I think that's, you know, we, we can't all be at the forefront, talking about me, not you. Uh, we can't all <laughs> be at the forefront of these things, um, but we can be, you know, helping support those who, who are trying to make changes. Yeah, definitely. And we can all do this together. Um, and I have uh, one last question for you. Sure. What has been your most memorable bird? Right. I'm so sorry that I can't just go, oh, it's this. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I will try to keep it succinct. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think about this. What? What? Because people sometimes do ask me that. And I once met a, a podcaster that I very much admire. And that was the one question he asked me, you know, what was the best bird you ever saw? Like, ah, um, <laughs> it's so hard to answer just off the cuff like that. Um, the, the answer that I told him, and it was one that I was very pleased to have seen, was um, a Lamagaya, a bearded vulture, which oh, okay. I knew was in an area um, that I was visiting. We 
we uh, we go on ski well my husband goes on ski holidays I don't like skiing so we always choose places <laughs> that I can bird instead and um and I knew that Lamagayas were in that region but I didn't know if I'd ever get the chance to see one and then one night we, it was just towards sunset and the sun was low on the mountain and and I was scanning along trying to see what what birds might be there and I saw one and it was amazing it was so peachy looking and really distinctive shape anyway so that was something I remember um I've been lucky enough to go to Antarctica I've seen penguins that was amazing I didn't really fully realize what it would be like there I'd seen documentaries and I didn't realize how quiet it would be how how sterile it would be outside mm. of the penguin rookeries and then how noisy and smelly it would be actually at the rookeries um <laughs> but then there's there's things like um I was watching uh was it yesterday or the day before the day before I had a starling um in my garden my, my say the days all roll into one um a starling <laughs> bathing in my garden uh splashing water everywhere really enjoying himself and it made me think about actually I've got quite a lot of experiences of seeing birds bathing so there was um when we went to Baja California last year I had a there was a bird bath in the little garden um of the Airbnb we were staying in and uh, because there was a water bath there lots and lots of local birds were coming to it to bathe and so I learned about a lot of the local birds just by them coming there and, and got lots of you know video of them bathing and then when we were down in the Falklands um I saw the like striated caracara which is a uh, quite a large um I, hmm. I, th- I guess it's a bird of prey um taking a dust bath almost at my feet and, oh my gosh yeah and that was just like well that was unexpected but then it made me <laughs> so anyway I was thinking about this today about all the birds that I've seen that have been bathing and how they how they bathe so I'm gonna have a little area on my website about that that would be a great book just like birds and their dust baths yeah <laughs> dust baths and water baths because you can't leave yeah. starlings out with the way they splash it everywhere um, that's true but yeah honestly I've got so many memorable so many birds that I've seen that I've got those moments in it's so lucky I've got a podcast because I can have episodes about I can tell people about my holidays and the birds I see well that's wonderful thank you so much Susie um uh everybody check out the casual birder podcast and do you have anything else that you'd like to say before we close it up um no you can uh follow me on twitter at casual birder pod um, and on Instagram at Casual Birder Podcast. And I have a website now, um, casualbirder.com. Uh, I am trying to put out blog posts because I keep finding that there's things I want to put out, especially with photographs or videos that I've taken. And um, the podcast doesn't really fulfill that, that area. So uh, I'm trying to put Good things out on the, po- on the website now. Um, but it's, um, that's a struggle too. <laughs> Because oh, I, I have all the ideas. Yeah, I have all the ideas. And, and then it's just like, oh, no, the days have gone by. And that, that was last <laughs> week now. Is it, is it still going to be relevant? But actually, I'll, it will I'll be. Start writing a, I'll start writing like a blog post. And it'll come up on my website and say, like, this is a two-minute read. And it'll have taken me hours to write oh, that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, okay, this isn't worth it then. <laughs> well, I, I figure, yeah, I figure that I, I've been watching a few other bloggers and seeing what they do. And I think that, um, I think that if it takes you too long, you know, I'm not going to be a, a, a blogger. I'm not going to be an influencer. So I'm just going to have little diary entries and they will be accompanied by 
um, photographs or videos. And I think I'll just leave it at that. If people enjoy them, they do, they'll enjoy them. And if they don't, it's just a nice place for me to record the things I've been seeing. So it'll be a personal sort of journal of what I've seen. And, yeah, I look uh, forward to reading it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hannah. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. I'm so sorry that I just go on and on, but you know, <laughs> that's the danger of talking to a podcaster. Well, thank you so much, Susie. I really appreciate it. I'm going to go back out in the garden now and watch the evening, um, watch the birds come in for their evening feed and, and see if I can see any more bathing ones. That sounds wonderful. Hope you have a lovely day. You too. So thank you so much, Susie, for joining me for my very first episode. I know we had planned so many chats um, that had to be rescheduled for one thing or another. So I'm so glad we could get this in. And thank you all for listening to my very first episode of Women Birders Happy Hour. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Maybe you learned something. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to connect with me on the socials, please follow me at Hannah Goes Birding on Instagram. My Twitter is Women Birders HH, so Women Birders HH, or you can email me at womenbirders at gmail.com. I also have resources and information on gobirdingpodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that we'll see you for the next happy hour.